Fruitfulness by Emotional Intelligence. What a title. God gave me this title when I was looking through the series, and you can see our banner today. It is part of our series on fruitfulness by sanctification. This is a 13-part series, so I want to welcome everyone to it and those that are joining online. This is the sixth session of the series. You will find them all on our YouTube page, LiveGate Outreach TV. LiveGate Outreach TV. And we have podcasts, LiveGate Outreach Center, on all audio channels that you can find on podcasts. Most of them, we have them there. So please look for it and follow the series. But the first four sessions from knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, fruitfulness through death to counsel, dealt with the concept of fruitfulness by sanctification of the spirit. Sanctification of the spirit man. Man is a spirit, has a soul, lives in the body. So sanctification of the spirit was what we learned in the first four topics. From last Sunday, we looked at fruitfulness through godly decisions and godly choices. And that was the beginning of the sanctification of the soul. We said even though man has a soul, the soul of man is in three parts. The soul of man, somebody say, has the willpower. Say it has the willpower. Say it has the emotional power. And it has the intellectual power. So it has willpower, emotions, and intellect. The will, emotions, and intellect. So last week we looked at how we can be empowered for our will to be godly. Our decision making to be godly, to be sanctified, separated unto God, to think the way God wants us to think. And so this week we are continuing by looking at how he sanctifies our emotions so that we can be emotionally intelligent as psychologists will tell us. The emotions of a man is what, uh, if a person, is so important. Whilst your willpower helps you to take decisions, helps you to make sure that you conform to godly ways in the way you choose your things, which is fine. If you have no control over your emotions, it will be difficult for you to execute some of the things that God is calling you and giving you opportunity to will to do. If you do not know how to put your emotions in the right balances, you will find yourself taking decisions that are good, but because of your emotionalism and your, your inability to put your emotions in check, you will find yourself just being not doing effective things that you ought to do. So emotional intelligence is a very important thing. And then after this week, we will look at joyful dispositions and kindness. These two things are part of the fruit of the Spirit, but we'll look at them in more details. We'll talk about the fruit of the Spirit today, but we'll look at joyful dispositions and kindness as part of how we can bear fruit through our soul. A joyful person is a productive person. A joyful person is a healthy person. The Bible says laughter makes good, just like medicine, and so on and so forth. We'll look at that next week. And then we will see how kindness also helps us that as our souls are sanctified, we are walking in the kindness that God expects us to walk. So those are the two things we will do. And then the last week of this month, we will look at divine creativity, which deals specifically with a sanctified intellect. A man who has a sanctified intellect has access to divine creativity. Every human being has access to creativity. 
is inborn. That's why you don't need to be born again to be creative. Everybody's born to be creative. But divine creativity, the one that comes from God and is given specifically to those who are called in the name of the Lord, is called divine creativity. And we'll look at examples of those. It makes you think outside the box. Not just the way people talk about thinking outside the box. It makes you walk by faith. It makes you do so many things. You don't just take risks like people who are walking at the realm of creativity, but you walk by faith. We will look at that in three weeks' time. Why are we doing all this? So that we understand the place of sanctification. That is not just to be called to be holy. That is called sanctification. You are called to be holy, but you are also called to walk with God and to walk like God. This is what sanctification is. Fruitfulness is something that we have emphasized is God's mandate upon humanity. Genesis 1.28, God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. John 15.16, we have read these scriptures many times, but I'm just giving them as background. The Bible says, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So the idea that we should be fruitless Christians does not exist. Jesus said, I've chosen you to go and bear fruit. Jesus wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to be people who others will see his fruit. Hallelujah. So we have established that man is a spirit with a soul living in a body. Sanctification, therefore, is God's plan for the total emancipation of man. When man fell in the Garden of Eden, Satan had access to everything. What God did by way of sanctification is that he is bringing man back to himself. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, again, some of our base scriptures for this series. He said, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Somebody say, sanctify me completely. He said, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body May your whole spirit, soul, and body. So when a person becomes a new creation, all things have passed away. His spirit man is sanctified. But he now said his soul also is to be renewed, being transformed. And then his body is also to receive the sanctification. So does the body change? Does he get, high, does he get taller? Does he become shorter? Does he become slimmer? No. The physical body may not change, but something about his body his ability to carry himself in the strength of God, his ability to be in health, and his ability to prosper, his ability to walk with the energy of God now becomes part of his portion. This is what sanctification of the body means. So sanctification of the soul, as I said, helps us in the three areas, our willpower, our emotions, and our intellect. So we are concentrating on the emotions today like we started last week. And uh, like we started last week looking at the willpower, we are concentrating on emotions today. So, over the years, man has tried to gain control of his own mind. This is why psychologists have worked extensively hard. And this is a, a big area of money making now, where people talk and train and teach people about emotional intelligence. This is where it came. The words emotional intelligence were actually put together just a few years ago, really, about 70 years ago in the 50s, by the same man who created the Maslow hierarchy of needs, as those of you that do sociology and those kind of research would know. And uh, Maslow said, every man is also, not just before that time, people talked about intelligence quotient. 
People talk about intelligence. People knew about intelligence because they saw that some people were smarter than others. And um, I remember growing up as a child, late Muhammad Ali used to say that he was very, he said he had a very high intelligence quotient. <laughs> and he felt that he was more intelligent than even presidents of countries just because he could talk very well and sound convincingly. And truly, I believe the man was intelligent naturally because if you looked at him, those of you that would know a little bit more about him in his fighting days, he didn't have the frame, a big frame, but he defeated many people who were bigger than him. Because he could talk. He could talk. He was the first boxer that won people with words much more than power. He would whisper in their ear, I'm going to kill you. So those guys would throw, and then he would be dodging all their punches. They would throw all the punches in anger. He would dodge all the punches and keep watching. Then when they are weaker, he would move and say, try harder. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you are like a fly. I sting like a bee. <laughs> and the person will fight. When he sees that they are very weak, then he strikes. And then it's a knockout. And people were wondering, how on earth does this guy bring big people down? But because he saw that he was clever, he could reason higher than many of those boxers that were bigger in stature. He was regarded, he regarded himself as somebody with a high IQ, intelligence quotient. But you see, much later on, people started to see that even if you have a high IQ, you are intelligent, if you don't have proper emotional check, or you are not emotionally intelligent as well, you could be limited. And this is why the concept of emotional intelligence came about. Now, I am using the phrase psychologists use not because I want to teach us psychology, but I want us to understand that whatever it is man puts in place to solve a problem of man and does not have roots back to God is a waste of time. Whilst emotional intelligence is a concept that I believe is not written in the Bible, but it's a concept that man coined up, which is positive, which is good, man must understand that you cannot become emotionally intelligent by simply using psychological principles. Man have worked on several models to teach man about anger management. They have used words, uh, they have used programs and schemes to teach man about effective communication and all those things that make for good emotional intelligence. Whilst those things are good in the realm of the natural, we must understand that we need to be able to understand how to root them back to God who created man. So I want us to define emotional intelligence simply from a dictionary definition. You will need to write this down because we'll be coming back to it. It is the ability to understand, to use, and to manage one's own emotions for five things. The ability to understand and use and manage man's emotions positively in five areas. Number one, relieving stress. Number two, communicating effectively. Number three, empathizing for others. Don't worry, I'll still read it again. Number four, overcoming challenges. And number five, diffusing conflict. So it is that ability that we use first to understand our emotions, use them, and manage them positively so that we can relieve stress, number one. We can communicate effectively, number two. We can empathize with others, number three. We can overcome challenges, number four, and diffuse conflict, number five. So these five things, when you look at them, they are very godly things. 
very godly things. To relieve stress. God doesn't want us to live in stress. In fact, the Bible talks about rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Not stress. God doesn't want us stressed. So, the person who defined this and said emotional intelligence helps you to use your emotions in a positive way so that you can relieve your own stress is talking what God is, is talking God language, even though it's not a verse in the Bible, as he has put it. To communicate effectively. The Bible says, let your words be seasoned with salt as with grace. Communicate very well. God wants us to be able to speak very well. He said we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. So how will they understand if they have not heard? The Bible says, how will they understand if we don't speak the gospel? And we should communicate to build relationships. So it's a, it's a positive thing. Then to empathize with others. The Bible tells us to be kind to one another. It said we should be kind to one another. So the word empathy, as defined by psychologists, as something we should manage our emotions to do is a positive thing. The only thing psychologists don't understand is that no human being can empathize for another person without God's help. You can sympathize. Sympathy means you are you understand you 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 feel for the person who is hurt or who is going through a pain. Empathy means you feel what they feel. It's impossible to feel what a person feels. Only the Spirit of God can feel what another person feels and, that, and then now make you virtually feel the same thing. It needs the Holy Spirit. No matter the principles of this world that try to teach about empathy, you can never achieve empathy in the realm of the natural. It's impossible. The Bible says, who knows the Spirit of man except the Spirit of man? Only the Spirit of God. Only the Spirit of God knows what a person goes through. God forbid, but if you've never lost a child, you don't know what it feels like. Don't say to somebody, I know what you feel. No, you don't know. Don't know. Don't say, I know what you feel. Don't say, I know what you feel. Say, God knows what you feel. And I know God's heart for you better. Because God's heart for you is peace. God's heart for you is joy. Hallelujah. If you were born in this country or you've never had immigration hurdles to cross in this country... Don't say you know what they go through. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> in this country, there was a time the home office was my browser homepage. I'm serious. Not because I, I like now that I'm a sponsor of whatever with the home office. Because I, I wanted to be sure that I was following the rules and following till I can become a permanent resident. So when I turn on my computer, the thing that first flashes up is home office. I read it every day to be sure. Hallelujah. So if somebody comes to me and is talking about that kind of challenge, I can, I, can, I can identify because I've been through it, for example. But there are certain jobs I've never done by God's grace. And if somebody comes and says, Pastor, that job is hard, I can't say I know what you feel because I didn't do that kind of work. <laughs> the one I did, I can tell you, I worked in Royal Mail. At night, I'll finish PhD work 4 p.m. I will teach part-time till 6 p.m. And I'll go and sleep for about two hours. And I'll go 9 p.m. to Royal Mail to go and be doing coding. Coding. I don't know whether they still do that now. Those days, you'll be typing postcodes like that. This country is amazing. 
You'll be typing WV68PY. The next letter will show. You type it quickly. It will show you type it. Then you'll be feeling sleepy. I'm feeling sleepy. <laughs> and then your supervisor will be watching you because he's seen all the people who's, who are stalling in the work. So one day the guy came to me. He said, David, you are sleeping. I said, I'm very sorry, sir. He said, I will sack you. I said, please don't sack me. I need this job. <laughs> I got two children. I'm a student. I need this job. Six pounds, ten an hour. I need it. <laughs> I say, I need it. I need it. So if you tell me now that you're struggling that, I will say, brother, God bless you. Grace, grace, grace. Because <laughs> I've been through it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why wouldn't you sleep? You did PhD in the morning. You, you taught in the evening. You will go there and sleep. You are supposed to go and sleep. Then you are going to do another work. No, you will sleep. <laughs> it's just natural. <laughs> Whether you want to sleep or not, your body will shut down. <laughs> will shut down. I used to have a friend who used to play the bass guitar in, in the first church I served in this country. He was a taxi driver. He drove all of Saturday nights. He would drive into the morning and come straight to church. So after praise and worship, that is his last <laughs> that is his last being awake. <laughs> he will play the thing, God is good all the time. Oh, that is after that point, you can't get Steve again. <laughs> Wherever he sits, that is it. <laughs> so I called, I didn't understand when I first came. I called him. I said, ah, Brother Steve, why? He said to me, then he told me his job. And I said, Oh, no wonder. I said, No wonder Pastor doesn't bother to talk. Pastor, he said, Pastor understands very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> they have to wake him up for choir administration later on. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> so, so, if you have not passed through certain things, don't say only God can help you to see what people go through. So, when we talk about empathizing with others, we must see why the Spirit of God is important. It talks about overcoming challenges, number four, overcoming challenges. And then diffusing conflict. So I want us to quickly look at some verses of scripture that will help us to see how the Holy Spirit helps us to be emotionally intelligent. Some scriptures we know, some I want to emphasize again. Philippians 2.13. The Bible says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God works in you, God works in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The spirit of might is the source of strength. To both our physical and inner man. Isaiah 11.2. We have read this so many times about the spirit of the Lord. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. Number five. The spirit of might. Somebody said the spirit of might. We don't talk about the spirit of might a lot. And when we talk about it, we remember physical might. The type that Samson had. No doubt. It was very evident in that way. But one of the ways the spirit of might works is that it strengthens our inner man. It is the same spirit that strengthens our physical body and strengthens our inner man. This is how your emotional stability is gained. If you have not been praying to God for the working of the spirit of might in you, pray it in this way. Especially if only you have been praying that God should give you strength where you feel tired and you feel sleepy and you say the spirit of might. Lord, I receive the spirit of might. That's fine. But when you need to, for your inner man to be strengthened, you need the spirit of might. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3. 
He said, for this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means I pray. Verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That means this applies to everybody. Say, it applies to me. Say, it applies to me. Look at your neighbor. Say, it applies to you. Now, you pray for them. We read verse 16 together. Point to your neighbor and look at the screen at the same time. However, you can do that. Pray for them. Now, let's go. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, everything that he has. For you to be strengthened with might through his spirit, not in your physical body, but in your inner man. If you're emotionally weak, you will be susceptible to many devices of the devil. You need to be strengthened with might through his spirit, not through your sense knowledge, not through emotional books, not through psychological techniques, but through his spirit in the inner man. So this spirit of might also works through the word of God, Jesus Christ, to empower us with the ability to be contented and also to have ability to perform. One, to be living in contentment and also to have the ability to perform. You see, lack of contentment is the, one of the reasons why people have no controls over their emotions. Have you ever heard of people who are overspenders? They spend too much. They have no control over their spending habits. As a matter of fact, there are people who use spending to, to address problems of depression. When they feel sad, the next thing they feel like doing, have you heard such a case? It's a demonic thing. You are sad probably because you are in debt or money is not flowing. And then the next thing that, that your emotions push you to go and do is to go and shop some more. That's a devil. That's a devil trying to put a person in a box. And we must understand that the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, I want you to look at these verses of scripture from Paul's words. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. Somebody said, I will learn. Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? To be content. We learn contentment. Contentment is not a gift. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6.6 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You have become godly, you have to learn contentment from the word of God. The word of God will teach you how to be diligent. The word of God will teach you how not to be rash in anything you do. Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Look at verse 12. He said, I know when you, when you study you gain knowledge. When you study, you gain knowledge. Remember we dealt with knowledge, wisdom, understanding earlier in the series? When you study and you allow the spirit of knowledge to come into you, you gain knowledge. He said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. So my emotions do not respond to whether I am abased or I'm abounding. It does not respond to whether there is, there is just 
50 pounds in my account or there is 50,000 in my account. My emotions are not moved by those things because anybody whose emotions are tied to 50 pounds in their account may be feeling sad, may be feeling overwhelmed, may be feeling that what will next will they do to address the problems of their life. And anyone with 50,000 may feel that they have so much money now and all they just need to do is to get you know, into spending and then just not control themselves. How many times have you heard that people won the lottery in this country and won millions and millions and millions and in two years they went back to the streets pushing, pushing beans and, and, and becoming bean men again. Not that bean men work is bad, but for somebody who has won 10, 15 million, you could do better. Praise the Lord. So what leads to such a thing? Lack of control. Lack of knowing how to carry your emotions even when you are bound. Very important. He said, I know I have learned both to be full. Please go back to verse 12. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. This Christianity, you need an emotional life that helps you to know how to continue to live and put your emotions in the right place. There are people who don't do good things or the right things when bad things are happening around them. There are people who are only joyful and are cheerful only when certain things are going on in life. You cannot be a successful Christian like that because the first temptation will push you out. <laughs> if the devil knows that your Christianity is based on what you have per time and how your bank account is swelling and how everybody is validating you, it's just a matter of time he will remove those things. That is why he thought that that was Job's locus standing. He thought that that was Job's strength. Which audacity did he have to go to, the, to go to God and say, just take away those things that he would deny you? He thought in his puny mind that if you took away everything Job had, he was a blessed man. Take it all away. He will curse you. God said, this one, <laughs> this Job, he said, you go and take everything away. Just don't touch his life. God was so confident of Job that there is no way. No way. So everybody must understand that we are to be like a Job. Which means that we have learned, we now know how to be abased. We now know how to abound. Not because we are praying to be abased. I know our Pentecostal modern, modern people, we don't like to talk about because we are always faith, talking high, talking loud, talking great, big dreams. God always supplying all our needs. What if he does not supply? Will you still be a Christian? <laughs> Hallelujah. If somebody walks in now and says, you know what? Enough is enough. You stand for Christ, you get shot. You say no to Christ, you leave. What will you say? Don't tell me. Tell it to God. <laughs> tell it to God. But the reality is that we must be ready to be people who do not allow our emotions to fly out because of the situations around us. It is the godly way of emotional intelligence. But we get it by the spirit of mind. Let's read Philippians 4.13 together, which we all read every time and quote and use to pray. He said, I can, let's read it together, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether that is physical strength, emotional strength, inner strength. We can do all things through Christ. Christ being the word of God. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. When we read the Bible, what happens is that the verses of scripture we receive to receive strength, that we read, can give us strength. 
Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 63, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. There is spirit in the word of God. I said there is a spirit of the word of God. And every time you read it and you allow the Holy Spirit to put that spirit of it in you. This same word we just read. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. The moment you are reading it, meditating on it, what you are receiving is the same strength. So you find yourself being strengthened on the inner man. You find yourself being strengthened even in your physical person. So we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So our emotions, like our willpower and flesh, because they have been tainted by our sin nature, we need to control them. The mind of man can run crazy. If you leave your mind, it will think anything. Do you know you have to be guiding your mind at times? At times your mind will think something and think it and think it, and then it takes you about two minutes. Then you, you can't believe, you will ask yourself, am I the one thinking this way? Maybe he's telling you to go and kill somebody. For example, I mean, you, you'll be shocked. Don't say, I can never think like that. No, 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 no. no. You need to understand that this mind is still subject to the devil and we have a responsibility to make sure that we don't let it run amok. We don't let it run crazy. We have to keep, the Bible says, bringing every thought into captivity. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So when that thought is going crazy, when you say you have to go and sleep with that woman, you have to go and do that thing, you have to go and do this with that person, you have to go and change that thing, you have to, have to, have to, you say, no, this is a bad thought. I bring you and I subject you to the obedience of Christ. Christ says my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ says that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. This is what we all need to understand about emotional intelligence from the biblical perspective. Psychologists will tell us that we need to harness those things. We need to understand our emotions. We need to use them and manage them positively. No man can do those things by themselves. This is why every theory since Manslow, since 1950, is still telling people to try and try and try. The word works. Say with me, the word works. The word of God is all we need. I'm not against reading those. In fact, knowing about those things that men propound can help us maybe to find some of the areas where emotionally weak or emotionally unintelligent. There's no harm in that. But if it is telling you that all you need to do is to be a positive thinker and it's telling you that all you need to do is to have anger management and it's telling you that all you need to do is to be an effective speaker and you need no God, it has rubbed you short of the... While all those things may be good practices... It has robbed you short of the potential of living supernaturally with your emotions. Every one of us must understand this. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17. It says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He said, and do not, verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. Now let's read 18 together. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Wine there represents every man-made way of achieving emotional intelligence. Wine is pressed, isn't it? Wine is pressed. Wine is made by man. And when man takes a bit of alcohol, he gets intoxicated and he feels high. He feels high. So he feels that, yeah, I can do anything now. But when that thing wears off, that is it. That, the Bible says there is dissipation there. It wears off. Only the Spirit of God cannot wear off. He said, don't be filled with wine. 
Don't be filled with man-made principles. Don't just leave it, leave, limit it to alcoholic wine. Don't be filled with man-made principles. He said, but be filled with the spirit. Because man-made principles have dissipation. You know how energy dissipates? When you have a car that is full tank and you are driving and driving and driving, it dissipates the fuel. It dissipates the fuel. And a point comes, if you don't find a way to refuel, the engine will tell you to stop by force. <laughs> the engine will just stop working because there is nothing to fuel it again. That is how wine and every man-made way of managing your emotions work. They have a potential to diminish. They have a potential to dissipate. So Paul advised rightly, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. This is why, again, I humbly submit when God spoke to me about the fact that there can be no burnout in ministry if you are allowing God to lead you. All my years growing up, I've heard people talk about burnout. They'll say, this pastor, burnt out. This one, burnt out. And I used to wonder. I said, Lord. And then I find that the truth is that one can burn out if you want to run the, the ministry by yourself. You, it's a very quick way to burn out. Just try to begin to imagine that you are the owner of the church. Just try to begin to imagine that you are the one that makes things happen. It's simple. Leave God out of it. Burnout is imminent. <laughs> but when you are completely yielded to God, and then he gives you wisdom to know how to delegate, to know how to work clever. This tablet that is with me is with me almost 24-7. Even when I'm on a flight, people who have fl flown with me, family members and others, we know how dear my tablet is with me. Because he gave me wisdom about this very great gadget that God gave to Steve Jobs. Very, very great device. Gave me wisdom that if you have your Bible, your calendar, your emails, your notes, books in one place, you made. You can do anything, anytime, anywhere. So I could be talking to the minister for education right now in a meeting. And God says, Sunday message verse, second verse, is Job chapter 32, verse 8. I said, minister, one minute. I put it there. That's how I do my work. People say, ah, how do you manage all these things? You do this, you do that. I say, it's very simple. One, let the wisdom of God work for you. And then some other problem will come, or challenge, not problem. Challenge will come. We need to solve something. I call the right brother, the right sister. If, I, if I'm not supposed to do it directly and there's somebody delegated there in the church here or in the organization to do it, I send it to them. Simple thing. But if I want to be like a star who knows everything and can do everything every time, you just burn out. You just burn out. Every one of us must understand that the wisdom of God is what gives us this ability to be filled with the Spirit and to be intelligent. You don't, emotional intelligence don't need you to be having an, a high intelligence quotient. I don't regard myself in all humility and in all seriousness. I don't regard myself as a highly intelligent person. I don't. I just am a highly lover. I'm a high lover of God. That one, you cannot confuse me. I love God and that is it. I thank him. But what he gives to me part time, what I need is fine. Everyone who just pursues the things and the principles of the wine, the way of the world, will always be limited. But when you are a pursuer of God, he works in you to be intelligent, even emotionally. We must just recognize that our emotions can be recognized. If you are a person prone to anger 
or impulsiveness of any kind, you can recognize it and subject it to God. And then God will give you wisdom on how to manage your anger. He will give you wisdom on how to manage your impulsiveness. If you are somebody who cannot control your spending, don't take a credit card. Don't. Don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. Because every time you just be saying, charge it. The next one, they say, charge it. They say, well, they charge it. Then at the end of the month, they bring a bill. Then you are fighting your wife, fighting your uncle, fighting your pastor that does not know anything about it. <laughs> it was not there when you were charging it and charging it and, and charging it. <laughs> you must have control. I, for many years, I've had a credit card that is over about 20,000 pounds in, in, in value. I don't spend 20,000 pounds at a time. Am I crazy? <laughs> I don't. My wife carries the same card. I gave it to her. So if you need money anytime, anytime. She doesn't just go and say, charge that gold, 5,000, and then call me and say, I've just charged it for 5,000. <laughs> Even though she could do that. You have to be emotionally, she has proved that she's emotionally intelligent. That's why I gave her the card. <laughs> you can't give every, um, please, please, please. Please. Don't say, pastor said. Uh-huh. Don't say, pastor said he gave his wife. So give me, uh-uh. I didn't say that. But why not? Why not? If you can manage it, it just makes life easier. It makes you in such a situation where you are never stuck. If you have to and you don't have access to funds. So, but what I'm trying to say here is that we need to be intelligent. Even my children have access, they, they, they know the number of the card. If I'm not in the country, anybody needs to spend money. But no, nobody has ever done anything by the grace of God, and nobody will after today, amen. Because <laughs> the devil is crazy. He can come and say, <laughs> can come and say, you are boasting now, okay? <laughs> I will show you. <laughs> I'm not boasting at all. I'm grateful to God. <laughs> I have sensible people around me. <laughs> but that, that, this is the reality. I don't borrow for myself, so I don't borrow to give anybody. Simple principle. I don't borrow to spend money for holiday or for myself, so I don't borrow. What I have per time is what I give. If you come now and say, ah, Pastor, one of my hand is cut off completely, and they just have to remove it now unless there is 5,000. If I don't have the 5,000 to spend, or I'm not expecting money to be paid me, if it is 500 I have, I will say, my brother, my sister, this is what I have. If you are not emotionally strong, the devil will tell you you are wicked. You have a credit card that can solve it. I have credit card, so I add to the problem that is on ground. <laughs> no, 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 no. You tell your emotions, no, I have 500 pounds to give to this person so that they don't have problem. And then, you know, you can give that so that they don't pay back. Can do that. In fact, that's one of the things. Avoid loaning people money because this one loan money from you. That one he loan money from the other one. If care is not taken, at the end of the for, for many months they will never be able to balance. So when somebody comes to you, part of what you have as an emotional intelligence is that you are able to advise and look at things and assess and say, you know, it is better for you to have this without loaning it than for you to have more and have to pay it back. It's very important. We can help people in different ways. And when you don't have, simply say, I don't have. If you come from the part of the country I, I come from, every day I get inbox. All those my 4,000 friends you see on Facebook, they are very, very wonderful friends. <laughs> Some of them will just enter my inbox like that. I don't know. He said, I know you don't know me, but I follow your ministry. That one, they try to use that to get my emotions. 
You follow my ministry. I've never seen you like anything I post there. Am I a madman? I know the people who are following. <laughs> but if I'm not emotionally clever, I will say, ah, this is another brother. He said, all I need now is 2,000 pounds. <laughs> Just to solve this problem. God bless your ministry. I like your choir. <laughs> because the choir is what they see all the time. <laughs> if they see you too, they'll say that brother in glasses. I like that one too. <laughs> but because they see me and they see choir on Facebook, I say, I like your choir. One of them say they are so young. I say, young, okay. <laughs> so those young ladies are young people in your choir. All of us are very young, don't worry. <laughs> Very soon, this church, you will see a 70 year old, you will think they are 40, 40 something. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you are living in the peace of God, that's how you look fresh and young. Fresh and young. But don't let your emotional life be tampered with. Be a person. Where we read in 1 Samuel 30 was a story of David. One of the psalmists said before that, Psalm 43, verse 5, he said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me, hoping God? Can you imagine a person talking to his soul? How do you talk to your soul? Your spirit, man. Have you thought of that? How do you talk to your soul? You talk to your soul from your spirit. You talk to your soul from your charged spirit. Your soul can become discouraged. Your soul can become heavy. But your spirit is always fueled by the spirit of God. It can never be discouraged. So don't let your soul convince your spirit that is in charge. You go to God. By the spirit of God, you are charged. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. This is what David demonstrated when his emotions were controlled. Where we read in 1 Samuel chapter 30, Pastor Moses led us powerfully in uh, the beginning of the service from verse 1 to 20. But look at verse 6. The Bible says David was greatly what? He was greatly what? It's a natural thing to be distressed. That first point of emotional intelligence says that we use it to remove stress. We use it to remove stress. David was distressed. Why? The people wanted to stone him. The people were grieved. The people were also distressed. Every man lost his son, lost his daughters, lost their wives. They were distressed. But David did what? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This was way before Paul came to talk about uh, uh, um, we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Long before, probably 2,000 years before Paul came to the scene, David got the secret of strengthening yourself in the Lord your God. This is not physical strength. David never loses physical strength. You know that. But the time he was greatly distressed, his mind was heavy. Where are the wives of my people? Where are their sons? Where are their daughters? Then David said to Abiata, Abimelech's son, please bring me the ephod. Verse 7. And he began to pray. And Abiata brought the ephod to David. And then verse 8. David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue? And God told him to pursue. God gave him assurance. You see, the prayer that David made was made from a platform of somebody who has now controlled his emotions. If your emotions rule, you cannot pray. So you must be able to tell your emotions to keep still. Fire is burning. I'm not talking of a physical fire. Challenges around you. 
You say to your emotions, keep still. Put your hope in God. You say to your mind, who is always trying to be afraid, who is always trying to worry, you say, keep your calm. God is in charge. And then you can now pray from that angle. You can pray from that understanding. And David, verse 17, went and attacked from twilight to the next day. No one escaped. No one could escape because a man who was now in control under God had taken charge. Hallelujah. And it became very apparent. The Bible says, so David, verse 18, recovered all. Somebody say he recovered all. You see, if David had allowed his emotions to overrule when he was distressed, not only would he have lost all, he would have probably lost his life as well. Because those people would have ended up killing him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. So you must gather yourself very well and know very well that you must not allow your emotions to rule because when your emotions rule, you know, a lot of ministers, and I'm not saying this very lightly, it's a very painful thing. A lot of ministers that have fallen in ministry by way of adultery and those kind of things or have embezzled money allow their emotions to overtake them. Many times they will say, God warned me. God warned me. I've heard that story since I was a child. God warned me. God told me, be careful of this person. Be careful of this person. They're getting too close to you. And you're having too many private moments together. Stop it. Stop it. They don't listen. They just allow their emotions. They say, Lord, she needs help. She needs help. And oh, she knows how to make herself look like she needs help. <laughs> when she just comes out, she says, oh, pastor. I'm really... <laughs> the pastor will say, oh Lord, I need to help this woman. Help yourself out. Don't you have a wife? Any woman that needs that kind of help from me, for many years now, if you can't speak to my wife, we there's no way we can go further. It's true. Especially if you are telling me female things. This is how I feel and this is how it... They, they, I say, now, this kind of descriptions you are giving, I think it's better you have conversations with my wife. I protect myself. Amen. I say, Pastor, it's inside here. If you just touch it, there's one lump there. You two, you say, Shakarakaki Kakasha. Ah, I can feel the lump. Don't feel anything. Are you a mammogram or is it nanogram or what they call it? When did you become a mammogram? Is it mammogram? When did you become a mammogram that you are feeling lump? You don't know where they test for lump? <laughs> send her to where they test for lump and if she really wants hand laid on praying because she has faith tell your wife to do it if you don't have a wife come and call my wife she will not waste time <laughs> get out of there quick 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 you are not sent to be testing that area. okay let me move on for <laughs> it's all part of emotionality and at times not that the man intended to do bad. In many cases, just lack of wisdom, allowing the emotions of this person that looks like they're really pain to overrule. So we must know how to put our emotions in check to avoid things like that. Church money is not your money, pastor. It's not your money. Many years ago, there was a pastor man that wanted to visit this country in the year 2003. They said he should go and apply for visa in his country and that he should demonstrate his funds. So he took church account and his small bank account. He took it to the visa office. He said, this is our funds. 
the visa lady saw it and saw church something church and saw the bank account. He said, what are you doing with this bank account? He said, it's my church bank account and that is our money. He said, no, 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 no. That's not your money. <laughs> that Nigerian pastor was very surprised. For the first time, somebody told him that that church money was not his own. Because there are people who lost church money, men's money, women's money. Yeah. <laughs> All the money that comes into the church is their money. They spend whichever they like. In this world that we live now, that is not wisdom. That is not wisdom. And at times it's just because they feel this emotional connection to the so many things that happen in the church and then it becomes a problem. Let us be careful. We have many other people who had emotional intelligence in scripture apart from David. Esau, when he forgave his brother Jacob, Genesis 33, when David himself refused to kill Saul in 1 Samuel 24, Joseph forgiving his brothers, controlled his emotions even though he wept, but he controlled his emotions from anger and bitterness and he forgave his, his brothers. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler, the Bible says, and he loved him. This man was obviously not speaking the truth, but Jesus did not allow his emotions to be angry and speak bad of this man. The Bible says he looked at him and loved him. So the real ability to understand, use, manage our own emotions in positive ways to relieve this stress and Communicate effectively, empathize with others, overcome challenges, and diffuse conflict is really by the Holy Spirit, not just positive thinking. The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says in Galatians 5.22, and I'm about to close this now, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. As we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, when we bear the fruits of, say, love, joy, peace, what we find is that we are able to relieve stress. When love is at work in you and you are full of joy and you are living in the peace of God, there is no room for stress to be part of your life again. No room for stress. I decree that God will relieve you of every stress of life. In the name of Jesus. A person should be able to sleep when they want to sleep, wake up when they want to wake up, and live life as they like. When you find yourself unable to sleep, not because you are doing something, but because you just can't sleep, you are stressed. It's not of God. God delivers you today. The peace of God will overwhelm you from today. The Bible says it passes human understanding. It is the type that Jesus had when he was sleeping in the stern of the boat. There was so much wind blowing, but he could sleep. That is the way God wants us to live. You don't live like somebody who is like the disciples, who did not have the understanding of the peace of God and who could only see the boisterous wind. Love, goodness, and long sufferings helps us to communicate effectively. When you walk in the goodness of life, you walk in love, and you also are patient with people, you communicate very well. One of the reasons why we don't communicate effectively is because we are impatient with people. We are impatient with people. We are not walking in goodness. We cannot see the good side. So we are rash with what we say. We are judgmental. We are not going to be judgmental if we're a person walking in love. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, these are all fruit of the Spirit. They help us to empathize with others. Only the Spirit of God can make you empathize with others. I've said that so many times. Sympathy is natural, but empathy is divine. Self-control and gentleness helps us to overcome challenges and diffuse con conflicts. Self-control helps us to overcome challenges and diffuse conflicts. You know why? Because self-control makes you not to live 
in anger. Somebody slags you off. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Just yesterday in the evening, my wife and I, we said we were going to have some time for fun yesterday, but it was such a busy day, we never really got around to doing it. Uh, but towards the evening, we said, let's drive to Birmingham and just, you know, pick up a few things. And um, we were just on the motorway on the M6. And a guy, I, he, I was in the inner lane on, it was the, 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 the regulations put all of us on 60. So I had come down to 60, put the car on cruise control, and it was just going, and I didn't do anything because we were all going at 60. But then I noticed at my back, he wasn't flashing any light, he wasn't showing any emergency service, and this guy was just, you know, trying to overtake and overtake. So somehow, I just felt, well, if you still feel you want to go faster for whatever reason, I moved to the inner lane, and um, he zoomed past me. Just about two minutes later on, it's not even up to two minutes, the car, I think he was doing the same thing for the persons in front of us now. And for some reason, that person didn't read him correctly. So, cause long story short, he picked the car from behind. And this car went up in the air, spun 360 degrees, and landed on the curb. And I said to my wife, I said, look at this guy. He's the guy that just passed us. Now. I said, where on earth is he going? Why is he such, in such a rush? And now he has messed up somebody's program. He himself cannot go anywhere anymore. We went to town, came back through the motorway. They were still there. They were still there. And I said, this is just the peak of foolishness. We must be able to control ourselves. If you need to be somewhere on time, plan yourself to live on time. Plan yourself to live on time. If you are tired, control yourself. Take a, take a moment to take a nap. Do things like that. Control yourself. Control your emotions. Especially younger drivers. Be very, very careful. Overcome the challenges of life by self-control. People will hurt you. People will throw bad things to you. People will lie against you. People will sling mud. They will do things. You need to understand that you must be somebody who controls your anger and you control how you respond. It is said that this life is really much more about 10% what people do to us and 90% much more about how we respond. So use that 90%. It is called self-control, not other people control. The fruit of the Spirit helps you to control yourself. Don't try to control others. You can't control me. I can't control you. But I can control myself against you. If you want to be calling me names and call me the most wicked person on earth, that is what you've chosen. I pray not, but that is what you've chosen to do. I can control myself to not respond. That is what you can do. Don't be praying that, Lord, control this person. Say, Lord, help me with self-control. Truly emotionally intelligent people bear good fruit because they are patient. They are not hasty. They are forgivers. They are not unkind. They are focused, not easily distracted. They are controllers of their anger. They are not irritable. They are good with relating others, not poor in empathy and communication. They are people with creative ideas, not barren of mind or choked in thoughts. If you want to be a creative person, you need to control your emotions. If not, everything that everybody said to you will be playing in your mind when you should be thinking about moving forward in life. Everything that people who are contrary to you said to you will be playing in your mind. You need to know how to allow your mind to be free of such things so that you can be creative. People who are creators and inventors don't have time thinking of other things other than the thing that they are about to do. Stay focused.
Tell your neighbor for me. Stay focused. Final scripture, Proverbs 29, 11. He said, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. May you and I be the wise men. May we be the wise women who will not allow all our feelings to overrule us every time. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says, and David was greatly distressed. There are times that you will be distressed. But the idea of emotional intelligence by the Holy Spirit is to overcome that distress by the Spirit of God. May God continue to grant you grace for strength on the inner man. In the mighty name of Jesus.